my name is Oksana. It's wrote to Edwards Weekly Edwards Insiders, the fifth. We deliver the news about our project, the creation of our project Edwards. And uh, I'd like to start from uh, Tokugawa-san. Could you please speak about the progress? Okay, yes. Uh, all right, well, uh, well, I'm not in the uh, development side. Uh, I'm more of the uh, concept guy. So I would like to, uh, oh, ha- hello, uh, everyone. This is Hiro Tokugawa speaking. And uh, this week, I would ta- like to talk very briefly about the, uh, the uh, perceived class structure of Edo society. Uh, the, uh, we usually uh, refer to Edo as a period of a rigid class structure uh, or estate structure. Uh, Shino Kosho, samurai, peasant, or farmer. Uh, then craftsmen, merchants. Uh, it, you, it, the common understanding is that this is about the importance in society or rank in society uh, in descending order. Samurai are the ruling class, and then uh, the peasants are the most important as they are the ones who create true wealth. And less than that, the uh, craftsmen and merchants are uh, just exchanging things and are not producing wealth so on and so on and so forth. And this is supposed to be derived from Confucianism. But uh, this is actually not the case. Uh, she, samurai in this case, uh, refers to soldiers. So it means that these are four commoner estates and above them are the, uh, imperial, uh, the imperial family and the imperial nobles and uh, the court nobles and uh, Buddhist priests and so forth. So this, these four estates, samurai, peasants, and so on, actually refer to the productive population so the uh, consciousness of the uh, samurai class or all Edo people, all people in Tokugawa, Japan, was that everyone's, they're all ordinary folk uh, performing their role. So uh, there was much more social mobility than is usually uh, understood. Okay. Um, now, uh, and at the same time, they had to create order. And this is a pre-industrial society. So there were the uh, toiling classes, and then the samurai were the administrators. But, and then the majority of the samurai were uh, kept pretty poor, okay? And uh, they had to invest heavily in education. So they were performing the role of the public sector uh, pretty sincerely, uh, like you would see in today's Japan. And I think, uh, so that this I'll be uh, talking in more detail in the following weeks. I think that's enough for now. Okay, thank you very much, Oksana. Thank you very much, Tokugawa-san. And uh, the, the next, I would like to ask uh, uh, Mr. Gen, the CTO of the project, to speak. Thank you, Oksana. Uh, hello, everyone. I'd like to update something with you. Uh, we have been continuing to discuss with our team how we can uh, realize the concept of Edibus. And then, of course, the keyword is play to arm. So we currently trying to define what's, what's the real way to earn. Because Mr. Tokugawa always, you know, gives us great idea how, uh, what types of gaming applications should be in Edoverse. And it, it seems to be and looks so interesting. Uh, while, of course, this is Edoverse supervised by uh, Mr. Tokugawa. So it's not like, it's not like you know, uh, just joking. It, it's real Edo City with playing real game with fun. I think this is a real concept of play to earn. So I have some wrong feeling about the current de- definition. I mean, a definition of play to earn. So for example, if there's people who are willing to earn with playing game, it's play to earn. I don't think so. Because if they're willing to earn first, it's supposed to be like job or work. So I, I think currently the play to earn seems to be like, you know, just work to earn. 
I, I don't want to realize these types of things. Uh, so uh, I'm planning to have a meeting with uh, huge investors on this Thursday uh, morning, eight o'clock. And then I'm going to try to talk to him about the play, the, about the real play to earn. What's the real play to earn? Because if we provide some kind of gaming application, which is super interesting and then fun to play, not for the money, the money is result, right? And then the game is the method. And then we have to provide kind of attractive gaming application in this edverse so that maybe we can realize uh, the real play to earn. Uh, currently, we can see many types of gaming application in blockchain space, but most of them looks not so, not so fun and interesting to me. It's, it's like we have to log on and download and log on and download and buy some NFT to get on. It seems to be like not game. It seems to be like job or work. So I don't want to do that. I'm trying to create a new one, which is really interesting. And then which is really we can, we can say this is a real way to earn. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Gen. It sounds very exciting. And uh, please, the next, uh, Dominique, could you please speak about the project overall? Thank you, Oksana. Yeah, no, it's very, very interesting uh, just about uh, Gen's uh, ideas, um, which is actually gaming mentality is actually different from the actually, you know, uh, play to earn things. So uh, we have to, we have to create really very exciting things for everyone, just for the, for the gaming things. Anyway, um, we actually, the last week, uh, uh, we, we, we just, uh, every day just, you know, uh, now on a considering stage just, uh, to build up uh, uh, ideas, concepts, and, and also a theme, uh, designs. But uh, from this week, that, that we officially, physically, we just established a corporation and a Japanese entity first called a uh, Japanese uh, name called uh, Edobas Kabushiki Gaisha. It's Edobas Company Limited or Ed Edobas Institute. Uh, uh, um, and then, um, and after that, um, uh, this Japanese company is just uh, now officially it developed a lot of this ecosystem on the Edubus. Um, and then next step should be, uh, we're going to just uh, establish the overseas entity just to, to fit this ecosystem. And, and the next is that in March and in April, uh, we have to uh, finish our white paper, the first white paper. And then uh, our target is just the, during the April that we're going to disclose our white paper for the Edubus. And, and also, uh, we now uh, try to cultivate people uh, and also try to find the people uh, to uh, develop and also to design, to make designs of Edubus and also ecosystem. So uh, uh, pretty soon that uh, we're going to just find a person just to, uh, to get uh, our definition of, uh, of uh, uh, this uh, Edubus requirements. And then uh, we we have to just fix some sort of, uh, overall budgets and how we should just uh, raising uh, funds on the uh, on the fiat currency basis and also uh, uh, how we should just you know, combine all the budget into the eco ecosystem uh, uh, in the Edubus. So uh, this Edubus we're gonna just 
uh, make uh, real the big uh, economic scale, and also that we're gonna just issue the tokens, new tokens, which has a, which it's gonna be a big barrier in the futures. But this token is gonna be very variable, and and I want everyone, even the developers, and and and. And also other orders of stakeholder can be involved in this Erebus uh, ecosystem. So uh, um, in March and April, um, we will be very busy just to finalizing our, our fight paper to uh, fix, to, to, to get whole ideas of Erebus um, for the design and game and NFT art and the everything. So um, uh, we're going to be yeah, very exci excited about things. And then uh, I hope you know, uh, many, uh, many others of talent people can just join us. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Dominique. And thank you, every everyone, for very inspiring updates. And I will be talking with you next week. Thank you. Goodbye. I think that is too short. <laughs> five minutes, five minutes short. I can, I can go on talking for another five minutes and then you can edit it into what I've already spoken. Uh, or should we do that? Please. Hmm? Okay, yes. Uh, okay, well, about the uh, class structure of Edo society is that, um, as I have stressed repeatedly, uh, this is a post-Toyotomi society. Uh, before Toyotomi, Japan was had a rigid hereditary hierarchy. After Toyotomi, there wasn't any. Uh, everyone was equal in a way. And uh, it sounds nice, but uh, you see, this is not, this. everyone is equal does not necessarily mean that everyone, everyone can respect others as if they were uh, someone, as if they were family or something. So no frater fraternity there. Uh, which uh, so there's huge potential for uh, falling back into chaos. So what the uh, Tokugawa did was to create some kind of order. Any order is better than chaos. Uh, That's the thinking, and they had to rely on uh, the accumulated history, and that was uh, the military order created dur during the uh, Warring States period, the Sengoku Jidai, and on that basis, uh, and then there was plenty of empty land, vacant land, uh, there was enough, to, enough uh, room for uh, land reclamation and uh, excess labor. So economic growth could absorb the frustration of creating a, uh, well, a social hierarchy. And then after that, uh, well, there's pacification through uh, Buddhist teaching, proselytizing, uh, and Buddhist teaching. And then very importantly, uh, talented people were promoted vigorously. Uh, so you look at all the samurai working for the shogun and uh, in a 15 year, 50 year period, and then uh, there was practically no movement in terms of family ranking, but 40% of those samurai were adopted from other families, mostly from samurai, but also from uh, farming or uh, merchant merchant families. Uh, so there was mobility uh, underneath the facade of uh, rigidity. And so this is uh, what made Tokugawa Japan and especially the city of Edo very special. 
uh, what meets the eye had another layer right behind. Uh, so the samurai, all of them had swords, two swords, in fact, uh, and they were they were educated according to a warrior ethic, but they were all civilian, uh, well, in fact, what you could call civil servants. Uh, and likewise. And, and then as for the other three estates, uh, classes, ranks uh, of the uh, peasantry, the farming population, 80% of the population actually, uh, merchants and craftsmen, uh, there's plenty of mobility here too. So uh, a wealthy farmer could start lending to his neighbors. Uh, a poor peasant uh, would try to go to one of the cities. Uh, Edo was the biggest, but uh, Osaka, a pretty close second and actually richer, or Kyoto, and then try to find work as, uh, well, menial labor, uh, and try to find work in menial labor. And then with luck, he could promote himself. Uh, eventually, he could own land, or if wealthy enough, you could buy your status as a samurai. So uh, especially uh, in the 19th century, uh, you could buy your status with money. So uh, the fad for the uh, very wealthy merchants was to uh, send in their son uh, into as an well to have wealth have high ranking samurai adopt their extra sons. You see, this is uh, very similar to uh, the European nobility in the Middle Ages and during the Renaissance times to uh, send their second son or third son into the clergy. Is it? So uh, money and rank uh, actually uh, shook hands in late Tokugawa times. Uh, so this, so there, uh, this kind of explains how Japan in the Meiji era could catch up with the well, so-called catch up with the West so quickly, is that uh, there were rules strictly enforced, and then, but there were ways of adapting cha to changing times. Uh, there was flexibility and mobility under a rigid hierarchy. What looked like a rigid hierarchy. So that is the, uh, and that was the essence of Tokugawa rule. So how to be, um, how to be ruled by a warrior caste and then, uh, but never having a war for two and a half centuries. Uh, so there was the secret. Right? And that would be, uh, well, and that would be it for this week. Thank you very much.